Jesus also said in John 5 and verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which testify of me. Now, I want to draw your attention to the word search. The Greek word for search is eruneo, and it means to examine. It was used to describe an animal tracking a scent like a lion or a bloodhound. And this is the way we're called to study the scriptures by following the scent of blood. Sniff out the scarlet letter of Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation. Hey, welcome to the Expositors Collective Podcast, episode 292. I'm your host, Mike Neglia. And the voice that you heard is that of our guest for this week, Pastor Tony Clark from Calvary Chapel, Newport News, also the host of the Word Made Plain radio program and so much other stuff. Well, Tony spoke at the CGN Pastors and Leaders Conference in 2022. And this main session was entitled The Gospel from Cover to Cover. And that is just totally what we're all about here at the Expositors Collective. So I do want to thank uh, CGN for releasing this audio content for us and allowing others to listen in as Tony delivered a great message. And then immediately following, there was a panel discussion. Uh, Jeff Guype hosted the panel discussion. Uh, Brenda Leavenworth is there. Uh, I join in and of course, Tony. And we field some questions from the audience about some of the practicalities of preaching that is faithful to the text, but also is engaging and easy to listen to. So I know that you're going to benefit from this conversation. Well, hey, before the episode properly starts, let me tell you about our sponsor for this episode. A book was just released a few days ago entitled, You're Not Crazy, Gospel Sanity for Weary Churches. And it's co-written by two men who I hold in very high esteem, uh, Ray Ortland and Sam Albury. Each of those guys has actually been a previous guest on the Expositors Collective podcast over the years. Uh, Ray has been on twice and Sam has been on once. And these guys have just combined their years of experience and their sharpness of mental observation and their deep reverence for the text of scripture. And they've written this book for us. Uh, This is kind of aimed at weary leaders who need to renew their love for ministry. And we have this hope for these gospel-centered cultures for our churches. And sometimes it's one step forward and two steps back. Sometimes it's a slow process rather than an instant revival. And this book is to encourage people like me and people like you in the leadership process. This is not a bunch of tips and tricks. This is not a life hack to instantly instill gospel culture to your church, but it is a great resource with scripture-focused advice on how to slowly but surely build the kind of gospel culture that we hope for for our churches. Uh, If that's you, check out the show notes for a link to get this book and I know that you're going to benefit from it. 
Also in the show notes, there'll be links to interviews that I've gotten to do with those co-authors over the past few years. Jesus were also all said in solid. John 5, right, verse well, 39, he so said, that's the sponsor. you search and your scriptures, now, so in them you think you further have eternal ado, life. I want These to are they introduce which you to Tony me. Clark now, I want to and draw your attention his to message, the, word the gospel the Greek word from for cover to cover. I'll catch you at the end after the panel. It was used to describe an animal tracking a scent, like a lion so, or 20, a bloodhound. And this is the way we're called to study the scriptures by from following cover to cover. the scent of the blood. gospel from cover to Sniff cover. Sniff out the scarlet letter of Christians, Jesus Christ what is the gospel? from Genesis to Revelation. I believe you get a variety of answers. Many of them would immediately say, the good news. Okay. Okay. And? But they would say, the good news. Others would say, the more spiritual ones, We'll say the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ based upon 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 5. So as we can see, the gospel is not only a creed to believe in, but it is a person to believe on. Jesus is the gospel personified. So seeing that I will be discussing the gospel from cover to cover, we should be able to preach the gospel from Genesis to Revelation. Jesus said in Hebrews 10 and verse 7, he said, in the volume of the book, it is written of me to do your will, O God. Jesus also said in John 5 and verse 39, he says, you search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. These are they which testify of me. Now, I want to draw your attention to the word search. The Greek word for search is eruneo, and it means to examine. It was used to describe an animal tracking a scent, like a lion or a bloodhound. And this is the way we're called to study the scriptures by following the scent of blood. Sniff out the scarlet letter of Jesus Christ from Genesis to Revelation. So here is the Apostle Paul in the city of Miletus, which you already know is 30 miles south of Ephesus, called the elders and the pastors and the leaders together to give them some final instructions and exhortation about ministry and service. Look what he says there in verses 17 and 18. It says, from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church, and when they had come to him, he said to them, you know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner I always lived among you. Now, when the elders made themselves available, which is what you have done here, by coming to this conference, you made yourself available. Paul called them to gather together in verse 17. The first thing he reminded them of was the way he lived among them, the end of verse 18 says. This is the key to effective ministry, living the Christian life in front of the people we are ministering to. Paul said, you know the kind of life I lived among you. I wonder, just wonder, just curious, what would the people we minister to either at church, at home, or in our neighborhood, say if we said this to them. So often we erase that good gospel we are preaching by our bad behavior. 
We want to follow what Paul said in Ephesians 4 and verse 1 when he says, I beseech you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. Now, the Greek word for worthy is axios, and, and it carries the root meaning of balancing the scales, meaning that what is on one side should be of equal weight, which is on the other side. So practically, our walk and our talk need to be of equal weight. When this happens, we can confidently and yet humbly say, like Paul did, what manner I always lived among you. Look at verse 19, very powerful verse. <laughs> Look what it says there. Because Paul says, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials, which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews. I want to draw your attention to the first part of verse 19. Notice he says, serving the Lord. How was Paul able to continue in ministry and stand firm when they threw rocks at him in cities like Lystra? By serving the Lord. He was doing it for an audience of one, the Lord. So if you're in ministry for any other reason than what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 5, 14, for it is the love of Christ that compels me. You may last a few years in ministry, but eventually you will burn out. I say this because you too will have rocks thrown at you by the very people you're called to minister to. But if you're serving the Lord, and in the power of his might, like Ephesians 6.10 says, you will endure in bad times. So not only serving the Lord, but also Paul tells us how. Notice what he says there, with all humility. This is another key to effective ministry is serving with all humility. What James 4.6 says, God resists the proud. Antitasso is the, the Greek word. It means to arrange and battle against. Notice that. God resists or arrange and battle against the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. In, in other words, humility unlocks the grace of God to flow through our lives to the people we're called to minister to. James 4.10 says, humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. I want you to notice that. He says, humble yourself. You don't want the Lord to have to humble you. So the Lord said, okay, do it yourself. Because if I have to do it, oh, you, you, you may not like it. So humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. Also, please let us be all mindful of the worst kind of pride. It's spiritual pride. Oh, you know, when we think we're trying to be all deep, you know how we are. You know, it's just, you know, well, see, the Lord revealed to me, you know, in my time of prayer. And you think you're just being all deep and stuff. Be careful. You're only talking. And see, here's the thing. Please understand this. I know we're called to study to show ourselves approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Second Timothy 2.15. The Bible said the righteous studies how to answer, Proverbs 15.28. I know 1 Peter 3.15 said, always be ready to give every man an answer the reason of the hope that lies within you. I know that. That's what we're called to do. 
but don't be so heady that you're speaking right over the people's heads. Like a preacher who's been in ministry over 60 years, he told me, he said, Tony, always bring the cookies on the bottom shelf where the kids can get them. See, but see, you want to show how, how knowledgeable you are. And you're speaking right over the people's heads and you're not ministering to them. You're talking over them. And you come off and cocky, you step out of the pulpit, ready to hear all the great things they're going to say about you. Oh, beware. Beware. Hey, you, you're, talking, you're talking to someone who's done that. It takes one to know one. Oh, yeah. I've been there. I've been there. Be careful. Be careful. You know, a young man came to me one time. He said, Pastor Tony, you know, the Lord has been using me. I've just been teaching, you know, a little Bible study, and the Lord is using me. And he, he was very sincere, very sincere, young guy. And I said, oh, that's good. He says, how do you stay humble? <laughs> I looked at him. I said, hey, bro, what do we have to be prideful about? It's his word we're teaching. We're doing it in the power of his might, in the power of his Holy Spirit. I said, what do we have to be prideful about? And he was quiet. Like the rich young ruler, he walked away. <laughs> Sorrowful, <laughs> you know. But, but that's the thing. Be always stay low. We stay. Notice when everyone has had an encounter with God, they always saw their sinfulness. When Daniel had an encounter with God, he says, we have sinned. There's not a sin recorded that Daniel committed. We know he did. But it's not recorded. But he said, oh, God, we have sinned. In Luke 5 and verse 8, uh, uh, when the Lord said, hey, catch your net on the other side. He said, ah, Lord, we've been toiling all night. You're the, you're the preacher. Leave that fishing to us. And then when he did it, all these fish, that his nets, his nets, singular, start to break. Even though the Lord said, catch your nets, plural, he partially obeyed. But that's another sermon. But then when they pulled in the fish, it was so many fish that his net, singular, was starting to break. And the boat, they called Peter and John, uh, or I mean called James and John over to help, and their boat started to sink. It was so many fish. When Peter had that encounter with God, he said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man. Show me a person that's cocky and arrogant, and I'll show you a person that spends little time in the presence of God in prayer. We, Spurgeon say, he who has studied well, prayed well. We have to spend time in prayer. That's how we stay usable. That's how we stay connected to the source. That's how we stay humble, by staying in his presence. But Paul, he also said, serving the Lord with all humility and with many tears. Sometimes in ministry, you're going to shed some tears. This is the internal struggle of ministry. As you see, the very people you're called to serve throw stones at you, gossip and slander your name, go out and turn away from the Lord. It will break your heart. If you have any kind of heart, it will break. I wish that I had time to tell you about the tears that I shed in ministry. You're talking about a guy that's a Marine. 
We, we're always about taking the heel, and you be tough, and you just go, and you, you know, and hey, I can't tell you the sh- tears that I shed in ministry. And if you stay in ministry long enough, you will shed tears as well. Then Paul said, not only serving the Lord with all humility and tears, notice what he says, and trials. This is the external struggle of ministry. I don't have to tell you about the trials and temptation that you will, not might, that you will go through in ministry. 2020 sent everyone into a major trial that many of us are still going through. I've told many people who have asked, we still only have one third of the church that has returned since COVID. I was telling folks, the black community has looked at COVID totally different than everybody else. Our community, we were told that we're three times more susceptible of getting COVID because of our diet, our weight, and our stuff that we have going on, that we're three times more susceptible of getting COVID. We still have people who wear masks in, in, in our church. It's just, this is what we were told there's still some black churches around the country still closed to in-person. Paul so, was saying, I gave you my all. So I gave you everything I had to help you grow in your walk with Christ. The this is why he said, I kept back when the church is closed. The so, Greek word for kept back is hupostello. You know and it means to draw back to, and to shrink or to, open to since tower. Mother's Day of 2020. And let us not withhold, draw back or tower in giving the people our all. I, I don't rejoice when you know, folks I, I just, come from other churches. I've heard a lot of speakers. I know you do. In my Christian life, when, you know, that's how and you are. Think I used to be Lord just like you. Said, well done, rejoice. my good and faithful servant. We just you talked about them it, down and, there and, to and death the on earth. Come on up here and bore us. We're on the same team, but you don't see that. Some guys okay. are just you, boring. You, you it's like, around. dude, you know, you we have this bit. good gospel to preach, and you won't give up there and bore the people to death? Are you kidding me? We're closed. And so we, you know, we just kept teaching, teaching that word, and I can go on and on about that. But look what it says in verse 20, because I'm looking at that time tick down. Okay, look at verse 20. It says, how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. Notice, I'm going to draw your attention to the phrase, I kept nothing that was helpful. I kept back nothing that was helpful. Paul was saying, I gave you my all. I gave you everything I had to help you grow in your walk with Christ. This is why he said, I kept back nothing. The Greek word for kept back is hupostello, and it means to draw back, to to shrink, or to, to cower. And let us not withhold, uh, 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 draw back or cower in giving the people our all. You know, I, I just, I've heard a lot of speakers in my Christian life, and you would think the Lord said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You bored them down there to death on earth. Come on up here and bore us up here in heaven. Some guys are just boring. It's like, dude, we have this good gospel to preach, and you're going to give up there and bore the people to death? Are you kidding me? 
Well done, my good friend. You bored them to death <laughs> on earth. No, we should give people our all. Now, if you are the type of personality that's just very quiet and reserved, and that's just your personality. Okay, praise the Lord. That means you don't get up here and you turn into me. You don't do that. That's not your personality. So you be who God called you, but remember this good gospel that we have to preach. It's the greatest news the world could ever hear. Don't bore those precious people to death. <laughs> Just ask your wife, am I boring? Yes, you are. <laughs> Honey, I've been wanting to tell you for years. <laughs> if I wasn't your wife, I wouldn't come to church either. <laughs> Just she'll be honest. Your wife will be honest with you. Paul said, I didn't keep back from giving you my all. And so often, so often we can, we can hold back. We can keep back. We, we, can, we can withhold when the numbers are low. Pastor, I'm talking to us. Oh, I remember. I remember 2020. We had a brand new sanctuary we just built. Things were going good uh, October 2019. Things were going good every day. The new sanctuary was filling up. It was filling up. And we were just, and we were just, oh, just going for it. And then March of 2020, there was something about some weird virus. I said, what is this? And then I was talking, they said, we need to stay at home. What? And then all of a sudden, here's a brand new auditorium. A little bit less than this. Brand new auditorium. And I'm reduced to talking to a camera. Oh, you better believe I was tempted to hold back. Keep back. Because for all you preachers, you know, you feed off the room. You feed off the people. Now, if you're boring, you got a boring church and y'all feeding off each other just being boring. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, that's not what I'm talking about. But we feed, we feed off each other, and I'm, I'm talking to a camera. Oh, I definitely wanted to shrink back. I definitely wanted to hold back. Paul said, I didn't do that. I gave y'all my all. Let us not withhold when certain important people come to church. Let us not shrink or hoopostello. Let us not shrink when we get uh, uh, to certain passages of scripture because people might be offended. When we're teaching in Romans and, and we're in Romans 1 and all of a sudden you think the people might be offended, so you shrink back. You kind of cower. You kind of gloss over. You kind of not give what should be given because of the people might be offended. And if they're offended, they're going to leave. And if they leave, oh, what are we going to do? Depend on God? Trust God? That's, just, that's another sermon. So he said, I didn't hold back. I didn't shrink nor cower in giving the people of my leeches God's word. Look at verses 21 to 24. I'm running out of time. I got to keep up. I gotta, okay, I got to speed it up. Look what it says in verse 21. It said, testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. And see now, I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me. 
but none of these things move me, nor do I count my uh, life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with joy and the ministry which I received from the Lord to testify uh, to the gospel of the grace of God. Now, Paul in verse 21 said that he testified, notice he gives the people he testified to, to the Jews who were believers and the Greeks who were the unbelievers, symbolically speaking. So repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. In other words, both believers and unbelievers need to repent to God and exercise faith towards Jesus Christ. Let me ask you this. Is there something you need to repent of? Gossiping about other pastors? Oh, we're bad at that. You know, you know as pastors, we're the worst gossipers. We like to blame women. Oh, women are gossiping. Oh, and pastors are worse than them. We're just terrible. And we gossip. We slander other churches. It's been talked about earlier. Other churches in the area that are growing more rapidly than the church you're leading. And this is a sign that you need to repent. This is a sign you've been sipping on too much haterade. <laughs> oh, the church down the street. Oh, they're this. Oh, they're prosperity or they're, you know, and we get into nitpick and all the time we're jealous and, and we're sipping on too much haterade because their church is growing. Oh, they're growing, of course, but see, you hear it, we teach that word, you know, and, and they, they, they just gloss over, give you a little sermonette for Christianette, and we're terrible. We're terrible people, especially as pastors. We're the worst ones, big gossipers. And we do it all in the name of the Lord. You know, as Christians, we, we've got sophisticated on how we can gossip. Uh, 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 brother, something for you to pray about. <laughs> and we spiritualize our gossip. And we're the worst ones. And so and then David said, David, 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 O King David, in Psalm 19, verse, four, verse 12, he says, cleanse me from secret faults. Precious people, are there some secret faults you need to repent of that only you and God knows and even your spouse don't even know? We, God sees it all. The Bible says light and darkness are both alike to him. He sees us. And it's, it's when we get tired. It's when we get weary. It's when we let our guards down and, and Satan comes and gives us, a, as we say back in the hood, gives us a two-piece. And he, he just punches us, and, and, and we, we end up down for the count. And so you only, only you know what you need to repent of. Then Paul said in verse 22 that he is going bound in the spirit to Jerusalem. Then in verse 23, he said that the Holy Spirit said chains and tribulation awaits him. Now, what was Paul's response? I don't care. Now, how could he have such an attitude? Because of Philippians 1.21, he says, for me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said, for me to live, I get to finish my race. For me to die, I get to go to heaven. He said, so what are you going to do with a person who has that attitude? You can't do anything with him. He said, okay, if I'm living, I'm going to finish the race God's given me. If I die, I go be with him. This dude said, I don't care. Chains and stuff awaits me. Who cares? Paul did not care. What an attitude. And notice the last part of verse 24. Notice how he talks about 
uh, testified the gospel of the grace of God, and he began to now, talk about the is, ministry which I received powerful. from the Lord Paul said Jesus. in verse 25 that, that they will see his face no more. That we're doing this the is how we, we should preach and teach there are every a lot of good message like it is our last one. Or preach the gospel to them like you will see their face no more. Because many of them you may not see anymore. There's some tragedy that can happen. Some car accident. Some situation that can take them out. We do. But you want to make so sure we that need to make sure every message we're given a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus God, we, Christ. We appreciate you. And we need to but present that with all we got, every message, because, because that is the only way message. you're going to finish the race notice with listening. joy. If you're doing the ministry you received from the Lord. Look at verses 25 to 27. It says, and indeed now I know that, let me make sure I'm in the right, let me, boy, I'm losing my sight here. It says, and indeed now I know that you all among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, I testify to you uh, this day that I'm innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, this is, this is just powerful. Paul said in verse 25 that they will see his face no more. This is how we should preach and teach every message like it is our last one. Or preach the gospel to them like you will see their face no more. Because many of them you may not see anymore. There's some tragedy that can happen. Some car accident. Some situation that can take them out. So we need to make sure every message we're given a clear presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we need to present that with all we got, every message, because it could be our last message or it can be their last message listening. We can't, I, I say, hey, you know what? God's will, I always say God's will. God's will, we'll pick it up next week in verse 8. I always say God's will. Why? Because we're not guaranteed next Sunday. We're not even guaranteed the afternoon. So I always put that in there because we have to make sure we're given a clear presentation because it's different. It used to be, this was the church. It used to be the believers come together, they get taught the word of God, and they go out and reach the lost. That's how it used to be. Church used to be. Now, you know what it says, Barner, Barner's group. 50% of the people in every church are not saved. Some of them think they're saved and are not. 50%, 50%. So it used to be believers, you're taught, built up, Go out and reach the lost. Bring them, get them saved while you're out there. Bring them in so they can get taught. And then they, that used to be the thing. Now, half the folks that are sitting in the chair are not even saved. So we got to pre- preach that gospel. We got, now we got to treat the folks as if they're not saved. So you're preaching to unbelievers or as the Old Testament said, you're preaching to the mixed multitude. There are some believers that you got to build up some laws. You got to preach that gospel to them. So you got to preach the gospel to the lost. You got to teach the saved. 
it's, it's a balancing act that we have to do during this particular time. So then he said in verse 26, I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now, this refers to Ezekiel 3.18 when God told Ezekiel, I've given you a message uh, for my people, and if you don't give it, their blood will be on your hands. Paul picking up on this principle by saying, I am innocent of the blood of all men. I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Watch this. You see that word shun? The Greek word is hupostello. The same Greek word used in verse 20 that is translated kept back. And here is Paul saying, I have not shunned. In other words, Paul was saying, I have not shunned, kept back, nor cowered from teaching you the whole counsel of God. This is why the Calvary Chapel movement, we teach the Bible chapter by chapter, verse by verse, book by book, from Genesis to Revelation, the whole counsel of God. I remember in 1999 when I completed the book of Malachi, I looked over our church at that particular time and I said, I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. At that moment, I had taken our church through the entire Bible at that time. So, once again, Jesus said, in the volume of the book, it is written to me to do your will, O God. He says, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, neither they was testified me. So we go through the Bible from cover to cover, preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. When we do this, Jesus will be counseling his own people. Isaiah 9, 6 says that he should be called wonderful counselor, and he is a wonderful counselor. So as you teaching them verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, Jesus, the wonderful counselor, is counseling his own people through their issues and problems and hangups. And folks today got some hangups. They got issues that only Jesus can. I tell, I tell our church all the time. I said, don't bring that stuff uh, to me. I said, because I have no clue uh, how to help you in that situation. Uh, people are getting together, being married, mixing bank accounts and all that. Kind, and then they come to us and want us to untangle that mess. I said, wait, you need a lawyer. You don't need me. I can't help you with this mess. Got two or three babies after all this and then want us to untangle that mess. I said, no, I'm going to let the wonderful counselor counsel you. And then you go get an attorney, Jackson and Jackson or whoever. <laughs> you don't need me. You need some legal action. Yes, we give them that good gospel, and that's what we're called to do. Now, how can we practically do this? Because I'm almost out of, town, out of time. Now, how do we practically do this? Well, we know from cover to cover, it's all about that good gospel. Genesis 3.15, we already know in the very first book of the Bible is the mention of the seed of the woman. We know biologically the seed comes from the man. So for a woman to have a seed, it must be miraculously, which is a hint to the virgin birth, Isaiah 7.14. In Genesis 6.8, Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. No, grace is in the New Testament. No, grace is in the first book of the Bible. And so we preach that good gospel when we get there, in Genesis 22, in the offering of Isaac on Mount Moriah, the gospel should be preached. In other words, every type, symbol, metaphor, feast day, it's around 200 of them. In the Bible, all speak of Jesus Christ, and the gospel should be preached. 
What did you think Paul and all of the other apostles did? They preached the gospel of Jesus Christ. Watch this, using the Old Testament. Isaiah 53, Psalm 16, Psalm 22, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Jesus is the good shepherd, the great shepherd, the chief shepherd. All of these verses talk about Jesus Christ. And then finally, verse 28, because I'm already 55 minutes over. Verse 28, therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Oh, my goodness. Oh, take heed to yourself. Here's the key to effective ministry. Watch this. Watch this. The Lord cares more about you, the minister, than the ministry. Don't ever forget that. That's one. And then here, here's another thing. Constantly cultivate a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So the ministry, the church can be the overflow of your personal devotion with God. Paul said in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, he said, the things I heard from the Lord, that which I also speak unto you. That's the flow of ministry. Ministry should flow out of your devotional work to the Lord. And notice he says, the church, oversee the church, which he purchased with his own blood. And this is where I began to wrap it up. Watch this. The church is not your church. Stop saying my church and my people. Hey, let me tell you something. I tell folks, I said, you're not my people. I don't have a heaven to put you in nor hell. I didn't die for any of you and don't think I will. I tell them that all the time. They know that. I said, it's God's church, which he purchased with his own blood. It's his church. And never forget that. Don't get it twisted. That somehow you, it's yours for some. No, it's the Lord's church. And I tell folks that all the time. You remember when God, in Exodus 32, when God tried to tell Moses, Moses, your people have gone, gone down there and they have sinned. And Moses said, oh, God, uh-uh, don't get this twisted. They are your people. <laughs> Not Y-O-U-R, your people. No, they're Y-O. They are your folks. They don't belong to me. He said, let's not get this twisted. And let me conclude with this. Preaching the gospel from cover to cover. We have to, we have to do this. This is who we are. We cannot lose this. Methods can change. Sure, we can. We, we, we're not. Long time ago, we used to communicate using Morse code. We're not using Morse code anymore. We got computers and phones and texts and all. So methods can change. But this good gospel, that should never change. And us giving Jesus from cover to cover should never change. If we get away from that, the, the old saying, Pastor Chuck will roll over in his grave. This is who we are. This is what made who we are. And Jesus is in from cover to cover. Let us not lose this. Oh, we got all these new ways and all. Yeah, let's, let's roll with that. We don't want to come in here still talking about a rotary phone for those who are under 30. Google that. We don't use that anymore. We, 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 we got sophistication. Use that stuff. But never lose Jesus 
from cover to cover. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for your precious people. Help us keep the main thing the main thing in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys. Man, I just, uh, I got to steal the haterade thing. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody, yeah, that was a really good one. So Sipping, uh, sipping on it. Yeah. Sipping on haterade. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like sipping on tea. No, inside it is not tea, it's haterade. That's right. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. They know it. All right. Well, before we get started, I'd like our panel just to introduce themselves. And so, Mike, want to lead us off? Hi, Jeff. My name is Mike uh, Neglia. I grew up in Fallbrook, California. I've been living in Ireland for 19 years. Wow. And thus concludes my introduction. (laughs) (laughs) And Brenda, so good to see you. Hi, my name is Brenda Leavenworth, and I am on the women's staff team here at CGN, and I have been a pastor's wife for 30 years, and I have 10 grandchildren. Oh, God bless you. God bless you. And you have a wonderful podcast, not, okay, yes, I did listen. It's so good. Thank you. (laughs) So, yeah, so let's get started here. Um, I think that we all agree that Nate Holdridge has the best voice. Oh, yeah, hands down. Hands down. But would you not say that Tony might have the best beard? Oh, oh, well, but, yeah. sorry, Mike. <laughs> no objections here. There's a brother here that I told him we needed a moment of silence for that beard. Uh, yeah, I, I don't see him, but he was here, and I walked up to him and said, bro, let's have a moment of silence for that beard. And he said, game recognizes game. I said, okay, all right. Oh, that's awesome. So the first question that's up is a question I think that every single one of us has on our minds. And um, I want to start with Tony because he's really the one that brought it up. So, Tony, any tips on how not to bore people to death? (laughs) Well, you know, one thing, just, just be who God made you and just be empowered by the Holy Spirit and you won't bore them. But I'm telling you, if... If you are a monotone type of talker, ask your wife to help you. God bless you. Ask ask your wife to help you because folks are just straight up. I'm just thinking, if if that's you, I'm already asleep. You know, you you didn't put me to sleep already. Be excited in your personality. Be excited but through the power of the Holy Spirit, but be excited about this good word, this good gospel that we are preaching and teaching. Just be excited about it. And so if you are excited about a football game, basketball game, if you're looking at a basketball game and you're like, your favorite team won, you're like, yeah, that, that was good. Then, okay, that's your personality. But if you're looking at that basketball game, you're like, yeah, all right, get him, yeah, all right. And then you get in the pulpit, turn with me in your Bible. Stop, stop. Pretend that that Bible is your favorite team, and maybe you can get excited about that. But you, got, you, you don't want to bore them to death. Come on, come on. Ask your wife to help you. Good. How about you, Brenda? Do you have any tips? You know, I think... Early on in teaching, um, I 
I'm just normally an outgoing person, but when I would teach, I thought, oh, this is such a serious thing, and we need to be so serious about the word, and, um, and you're passionate, but sometimes that passion doesn't come through, and so someone finally told me, they pulled me aside and said, you know, you're funny, why don't you just be yourself? And so when God freed me up from that, and there was a a pivotal moment, we've been talking about that quite a bit, and there was a pivotal moment in my life where I was walking up to the stage, and God just spoke this so clearly to me. He said, this is not about you, and that freed me from that moment on. Like, it's my job to be passionate about Christ and to share that passion with someone in need that's listening. That's really good. Mike, this has got to be in your wheelhouse. Have you, have you done an interview of a, a pastor on how not to be boring? I think that every interview is about how not to be boring. Um, uh, yeah, I get to host a podcast as well about teaching and preaching and communication. It's called Expositors Collective. Thank you for those of you who are doing these polite claps. I really appreciate it. No, um, uh, Even though I haven't been on it yet, you know, but that, but that's just another, you know, I, I was promised a long time ago and I haven't, so I said he must, he must not want anybody. Oh, oh, I'm I don't sorry. Know how this is gonna make I'm you sorry. feel, but I, I've sorry. been on it, Tony. But go ahead. <laughs> Neither have I. I haven't either. So. Whoa. <laughs> in, in answer to your question, uh, when it comes to yeah, to, to not being boring, yeah. I, I think. And of course, every different personality or context yeah. Is, yeah. is different. And I appreciate even, Tony, what you were saying, how excited for some people is going to, to obviously look different. Yeah. We just it think is. even through of these various main session speakers, like not everyone is a Tony or a Poncho, you know, yeah. like that's, that's just like within your realm, the way that you've been created. But I think like when it comes to effective communication, Uh, in regards to teaching the Bible, what we need to do is to, um, in addition to be faithful to the text, but to establish the relevance of the text, um, to to show that, and this this is a phrase that I use a lot um, in in my own church and training preachers in my own church, um, is that it didn't just happen there and then, it's happening here and now. And, And to, well, on the one hand, there are some historical facts Sure. That really did. Like the Red Sea was crossed yeah. once, you know, and that, that's it. That was there and then. But yet there is these, these parallels. Um, Brian Chappell calls it like the fallen condition focus. Or uh, Zach Eswine talks about like the fragile condition focus. There's like, there's, there's the fear that those recently enslaved Israelites experienced. Yeah, yeah. And they just need God to come through. Yeah. And you establish relevance hey, we experienced this. And then to maybe even just like let it hang, to, to say like, this is, a, this is historical. You know, or think about what the people of Israel when like, uh, what, Sanballat is there yeah. uh, and then they're threatening, you know, like that's, that's interesting history, but we just establish the relevance. These types of things take place not just there and then, but also here and now. Let's enter into their story. Let's see what God does for them. And then what can we have hopes for right now in the presence? So I think that there's got to be some kind of um, touch point. We as teachers, preachers, Bible, Bible instructors, we are not just educating about the past, but we're yeah. inviting people into awareness of what God's doing right now. So establish relevance. Yeah, let me just say this really quick. Every message needs to answer two questions. What do you want them to know? And number two, what do you want them to do? Now that you told them, 
that is 16.9 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho. What do you want them to do with that? Because, see, there's people at our church that say, look, my husband just left me with four babies. Uh, uh, what does the Bible have to say about that? And I think Calvary Chapel do a great job in telling people what they want them to know and do, does a great job, you know, teaching the verses. But I think we fall short. You don't tell them what to do. You don't tell them how it applies to their everyday life because you, what you end up doing is just feeding them Bible information, which is good, but you will turn them into Pharisees with a lot of head knowledge and not a lot of doing knowledge because you never told them what to do with that information. So you just build them up with big heads because knowledge puffs up, but love edifies, 1 Corinthians 8.1. So we got to be able to do that, tell them what we want them to know and what we want them to do. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Yeah, to quote our, our mutual friend Aaron Campbell, he talks oh. about um, tadpole Christians, yeah. all head, yeah. Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like you that. You got to think about it for a second. Oh, let yeah. that sink in right there. That's a good one. <laughs> well, this is a, this is a good follow-up question, actually, um, that's coming in. It says, how can we preach the gospel from cover to cover without shoehorning Jesus where he doesn't show up in the passage or verse? Well, see, here's the thing. If he doesn't show up in the passage or the verse, then you don't try to force him in there. I mean, we know that he is from Genesis to Revelation. We know that. And if he's not there in some nuance of it, then we don't try to force him in there. At the same time, we have to make sure that we get Jesus to cross uh, 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 in there some kind of way. I think that Paul knew he was a flop in, in Athens, I think personally. He was a flop. No church was ever established in Athens. Then he went to Corinth. He said, I, I promise, I ain't going to do nothing but know nothing but Jesus Christ and him crucified. Because he philosophized with the philosophers on Mars Hill, and no church was ever established. But then when he got to uh, um, Corinth, he says he's going to preach Jesus and him crucified. So even if some nuance you're going through doesn't present Jesus right up front, Make sure you get that good gospel in there some kind of way because uh, uh, Spurgeon said again, if you're not preaching Christ, then stop preaching. There's nothing else we should be preaching but Christ and him crucified. Brenda. Well, and I think that you can, I mean, I, I've heard my pastor, who happens to be my husband, but I've heard him preach the gospel in prayer at the beginning. And I mm. think that God gives us the gospel at different parts in the message Sometimes I'll just even leave it to where it's like, okay, God, whenever you bring it up, in my, in my mind, that's when I'm going to share the gospel with others. It could be through an application. It could be through prayer. It could be at the beginning of the sermon. It could be in the middle. It could be at the end. It, it doesn't matter, but you never know who's in that audience yeah. and the power of the gospel, that, that's what we're here for, right? So the, the power is what's going to change somebody's life. And so when I get to share the gospel with someone who's never heard it before, and then those blinders come off and, the, and they get re regenerated for the first time, that's why I'm there. And I don't know who's in the audience ever. And God always surprises me. And I don't know why we're surprised, because that's what he came to do, but, but just surprises me at how many unsaved people are oh. sitting in our chairs. Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. And let me just say this. It, 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 the power 
is in the gospel, not in our cleverness and our cuteness and in our super brainy whatever we think we are. The power is in the gospel. That's what changes lives, the gospel, not your cute stories, your cleverness, or you just trying to be deep. No, the power is to God. Let us not ever forget that, that where the power, the source is in the gospel. That is what changes lives, what changes all of our lives. Yeah, I'm convinced that, I, I agree, that, yeah, not every single verse is, is about Jesus. And there have been uh, times when I've been maybe younger, maybe I've recently discovered, I guess, this concept of, of the gospel from cover to cover. Yeah. And the gospel to cover to cover doesn't necessarily mean the gospel is in every sure. single sure. verse uh, within. And I don't think that's what you're implying. Right. And obviously that's not because right. you just said that that's yeah. not. But I think right. that every, every story, I yeah. would say that, that every yeah. concept, every theme, I think what you said, like you mentioned, like every, every festival, every type, every, yeah. uh, you, you mentioned a yeah, few more metaphor things. And yeah, every simile, metaphor, type, feast day. There's over 200 of them in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah, and I think there's ways that, yeah, we, we highlight what is there. Yeah. I think there's like, there's clumsy and there's, there's well-intentioned mm. sloppiness mm. that takes mm. place sometimes. Mm. Uh, yeah. You know, for example, the, the camels that were watered, you know, the camels were thirsty, you know, yeah. and, and you know what? Jesus thirsted on the cross yeah, for yeah. you. Oh, like you need terrible. to trust in him. That's terrible yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah. That's bad. That's yeah. bad Bible. I'm, I'm going to come get you. I'm going to give you a call. You giving that kind of word out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, I think, okay. Hey, yeah, that's, let me, yeah. okay. That's bad. But let me say this. That's better than nothing. And I think that there are some churches Ooh. where there is nothing. Where it's, where it's the assumption is, hey, listen, we're all on the same team. We don't need to hear the gospel because we already need it. And I would say, let's say even that that is true. I think even right now, I'm going to assume every single person who registered for the Calvary Global Network International Leadership Conference, I bet you're all Christians. But haven't you also been encouraged session after session hearing the good news of the gospel again and again and again? Yeah. So I believe that every, everyone needs to hear it, whatever the, the, the consensus is. Believers need to grow in their, you said that something to know, something to do. I think yeah. even their doing needs to be informed by, by the gracious rescue of sinners through Christ on the cross and through regeneration, like in our hearts. And so we, we present it all the time. There's sloppy ways to do it. Yeah. The thirsty Campbell reminds us that Jesus sure, said, I thirst, sure. you know. Um, but I think there's, there's better. There's better and more responsible ways. And sometimes we just need to take the time to really think deeply, uh, to dwell richly on a passage, and then ask, like, how is this showing a need that God through Christ and his gospel it provides and then highlight that. You know, it's just like I mentioned in Acts 20, verse 21. Paul says, testifying to the Jews and also the Greeks, repentance towards God and faith towards our Lord Jesus Christ. So he said he testified to the Jews, believers, and to the Greeks, the unbelievers, repentance towards God. So just like Mike just said, both Christians and non-Christians need to hear that good gospel. And we need to repent of stuff that the gospel reveals to us. And so just, just, just like you said, verse 21 confirmed that. So we're getting a question that's really blowing up here. And it seems to be addressed to you, Mike. Oh, yeah? I yeah. haven't seen it. You haven't? No. Okay, I'm going to tell you. Hey, cool. Okay, here we go. How do you differentiate preaching gospel threads and the redemptive narrative through Scripture 
compared to just tacking the gospel onto every teaching. Okay, yeah. I, I, I think I just said that. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, I, I'd love to talk more um, on that. I, I think that even, like I said, even tacking it on at the end is, is better than nothing. And if, if that's all you can do, don't stop, okay? I think if that's all you can do, you can also grow and, and do better <laughs> in this. This is something that by God's grace, uh, through you know, careful attention to scripture, uh, possibly uh, checking out some books, Sidney Gradanus, uh, Brian Chappell, um, there's, there's others and they're not coming to mind right now. There's a podcast you can listen to called The Expositors Collective um, that kind of like talks through uh, ways to, to identify and to spot those themes. And then I think it really has to do with finding uh, you know, those, those threads. Like, like Tony, you mentioned there's, there's 200, but I mean, like how, how can we read or teach about, about blood? How can we read nor, nor teach about reconciliation or um, hope of a new earth or uh, forgive? Like I'm, I'm picking some of the easy ones, but, but nearly everything. I think the more that we focus and give attention to the cross in our personal life, uh, that we then see all the good gifts, all of the threads that come out of the cross. And then as we're teaching through Second Chronicles about the, the threat of invasion and the fear that people are experiencing, maybe we're able to think, you know what? And isn't it true? Like all of us are, are so fearful and we realize like we are not in control of our lives and, and, and bad and fear can come in towards us. You know, God cares and here's how in Second Chronicles, how he addressed that care. But, but you know what, my friends? We have a greater fear and we have a greater provision. And God has provided that for us in Christ. Now, that's a tiny bit sloppy. I think there's ways to even do that better. But I think that there's ways to connect the themes that we see with the great mega theme of God's loving redemption through the sacrifice, resurrection, and ascension of Christ. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Uh, this next question I'm going to answer, but I'm going to do it in a strange way. Because I've always wanted to be like an, an agent so the question is, will Tony be invited to Expositors Collective? So can we talk terms? Hey, hey, listen, hey, listen, Tony, I brought my microphone. It's right there. Let's do it at 4 o'clock today. You ready? Oh, well, I, you know what? I'm, can I, let me just say this so everyone can hear. I skipped lunch because I cannot eat and then speak. I would be up there burping, you know. So I skipped. So after all this, I'm going to Famous Dave's to get me some barbecue. So I may not be available to do this great expositor thing because I'm going to stuff my face with some barbecue. However, for you, I might stick around. Just saying. I might stick around for you. Good job, you guys. I didn't see my cut in there, but whatever. Can I go to barbecue with you, Tony? <laughs> yeah, throw Jeff a, a rib. <laughs> This is actually, uh, there's two really good questions I really want to get to. Um, Tony, I'm going to ask you this. Actually, I want to start with Brenda on this. Um, how much personality in a sermon is too much personality? That, well, I'll put it this way. I, I try to be myself, but um, I think we have to stop short of being the hero of our own stories and that we have to make Jesus, if, if our illustrations of our personality, if, if that doesn't, um, if that doesn't give the God, God the glory in the story, 
or if it's just a cute story about me or my family or what, what we've got going on. There's no point to the story. If there's no point to my personality being my personality, then there's no point in having the personality for that. Um, he, Tony's, a, Tony's my brother from another mother. Oh, I don't yeah. know if you, oh, yeah. if you oh, knew yeah. that no about doubt. us. No doubt. We right here. Yep. We right here. <laughs> I, 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 I'm Oregon white, but I actually grew up in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> That's For real, we right here. Yeah. We right here. Yeah, so, game recognized game. Yeah. <laughs> so our, my grandkids live ten minutes from Tony. So yeah. we are yeah. we are frequent flyers to barbecue together oh, with Tony yes. and Janisa. Oh yes. Um, but his personality is big. But he always gives God the glory. Jesus is always the hero mm. of the story. Um, and I, I think that's our job. It's our job to bring glory and honor to the Lord. Yeah, you know, you remember I mentioned in the message, um, we're doing this for an audience of one. So if the auditorium was emptied and Jesus was the only one there, how would you give that message? In what personality, in who you are, how would you give it? That's how you know whether it's too much of you. Being the hero of your stories, that was good. Because you don't want to be the hero of all your stories. Because then people will feel that they never could, could reach that. Because they, they're like, ah, of course they, you know, they're the hero. No, uh-uh. Do it for an audience of one. And then how you would do that is how you give every message. Because you're still doing it for an audience of one. Yeah, I believe it was Martin Lloyd-Jones. And he kind of famously defined preaching as truth through personality. And so it's not a, you know, we could get Siri up here, you know, hey, Siri, read <laughs> Exodus, you know, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. that would be, that would be truth going out. And, and that's yeah. good. And there's, yeah. there's good audio Bibles out there, but there is a personality that's involved. And for me, I got involved in, in ministry uh, very, you know, very young, saved at like 17 and then like pastoring a church at like 22, not, not ideal. But then I had a lot of insecurity because I was um, so, so young. And I think in my early years, I was largely trying to establish myself as like, hey, listen, I might be really young, but I'm also really smart, you know, or yeah. I'm really well-read yeah. or I'm really mature. And so I, in my insecurities, like used Sunday mornings as an opportunity to kind of like prove sure. what a mature, wise, well-read person I was. And um, so essentially kind of trying to like mute my personality or, or adopt a persona. Mm. And uh, yeah, strangely, it actually was through listening to a, a teaching series through 1 Peter, or 1 Peter uh, with Britt Merrick. Um, and I listened to that maybe a long, long time ago. And it's like, he just sounds like, he doesn't sound like me, but he just sounds like himself. And he was, like, he was a young guy at the time. He was a young guy, and, he, and he's preaching like a young guy. And then that kind of released me to sort of like, maybe I could find my own voice and, and be myself. So sure. I think, yeah, it shouldn't be the dominant note, but nor should we aim to be this generic Siri yeah. up here. Yeah. Or Alexa, or whatever preference uh, you have. <laughs> okay, there's a few questions that are. Uh, okay, I think we have time for two. So Light let's ask round? this. I'm sorry? Lightning round? Yes, lightning round. Here we go. Um, what have you been tempted to shrink back or hold back in your preaching? For me, um, I've never been afraid to shrink back or hold back anything until recently, 
there was a small temptation because I'm teaching through the book of Romans, Romans chapter one. Oh, but it was just a fleeing thought. And I preached that word no matter what. So, but there's because of the, the culture we live in, you say anything about, you know, what group and whoa, whoa. And so I, I thought and I said, Thank you for the fleeing thought, and I got out there and, and preached that word. We cannot hold back. We can't shrink back. We can't cower to anything that's in the Bible. But Ephesians 4.15 says, uh, speak the truth in love. We have to do it in love. And matter of fact, when I got to those passages, God just broke my heart, and I began to say it with a heart of brokenness, almost in tears. And that conveyed. Now, the old Tony, pre-COVID, Oh, I just would have gave it to him right between the eyes and just said, deal with the truth. But now there's a difference now. There's, 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 there's a difference in how I'm, I'm giving it now because the, the culture is different. So, but I won't shrink back from giving that truth, though. Man, that is so good. Um, I think COVID has really been helpful in helping us to have compassion. Yeah. It's so good. Brenda, what do you, what do you have to say? For me... I think it wouldn't be shrinking back in the word, but it would be a compassion or an empathy towards knowing that there are people in my audience that maybe have experienced something that we're talking about in the word and just being genuinely empathetic and genuinely like being in their shoes, being in that seat. You know, um, I think, you know, if if I could, maybe one of those issues that we bring up sometimes is recently the sanctity of life. Well, statistically, three out of five women in this audience have dealt with abortion. And so being sympathetic to those that may be struggling with um, having to uh, deal with, uh, Dr. Gary Bashir's taught me this, you know, John, first John 1, 9, you know, mm-hmm. the cleansing from mm-hmm. all unrighteousness, mm-hmm. being able to take women through that with an empathy and with a compassion um, that it's not just about giving the truth because that can yeah. wound people. Yeah. It's about giving the truth in love yeah. and with a compassionate heart. COVID changed me. You talking about the, here's a hard marine right here. COVID, COVID, it, it it took the took the sting out of 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 me. Now those issues, like Brenda said, those issues. Now I'm 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 giving it with a heart because I know people out there dealing with that or have dealt with that, and so it's just different how I deliver it now. And so, COVID COVID did that. It changed me. Before I, Mike, before you answer. Um, I just wanted to, I think Brenda brought up a really good point, that we really need to be praying for our women's ministries. Um, This Roe Bird, um, you know, this whole thing that just went down is just, we're just at the beginning of it. And we have such a great opportunity to show compassion for the the women that aren't believers, that are very upset at this point. And how the church reacts to that is, it's going to be huge. Yeah. And so I just think it's a great opportunity to do that. So, Mike, what do you... Yeah. <clears throat> what am I scared of preaching? Yeah. Ain't nothing. No. <laughs> no. I mean, and, and piggybacking on what, what Brenda said about, like, being conscious of the people, maybe a thought on that. I would just say, you know, for those of us that teach and preach um, with irregularity and are using, like, illustrations and stories from, like, 
our marriages all the time, our kids all the time, our, our grandkids all the time. Mm. Um, it's, I think it's, it's good to do that because it shows that it's, it's real life. And also it's, um, it's our experience. And oftentimes it's where our Christianity is, is lived out. Yeah. Um, but maybe just also to be aware, like, not everyone has a spouse. Um, not yes. everyone has kids. Um, some people want kids and don't have them. Some people would love to be grandparents and, and they're not. And so like extending that kind of empathy that we're talking about, even to, to, to we, we preach, going back to our personality, we preach out of our personality, out of our experience, but also recognizing in the congregation, other people live other experiences and to, to do a little, bit hard, a little bit of hard work to think, what, what are some other applications of this that don't revolve around That's my good. kitchen table and my family? Family and my experiences, and I'm, I'm fortunate to be married to, to Rachel for 19 years. I have three kids, and they're, they're cute. I got all these cute stories, so and, I, cute. and I try to, yeah. to, to dial that back down, too, yeah. knowing that in, in my congregation, there's people who really wish they could be married, and they're not, and so that's yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't answer your question at all, but. No, but that's, but that's good, though. That's good, because it, here's the thing. You know, I, I remember giving the Father's Day, man, uh, Mother's Day messages, and I was very sympathetic and showed empathy toward those who, you know, they, they want to be married, those who don't have children, and I really just began to speak to them um, one Mother's Day, one Father's Day. See, and we just assume, yeah, everybody's married, everybody got, you know, and, and that's not the case, and we need to be, we need to be more, like, like John Maxwell, he, he says in his leadership books, walk slowly through the crowd. Don't be in such a hurry. There are stories. There's people. Just, just like Doug told us, he, he showed us a picture of his family. Then he gave us that story. And I was like, whoa, we all got family pictures, and we all have stories. And so walk slowly through the crowd. Well, that's a great place to end. Um, and that's gospel I, culture. Yeah, that, I want to put an exclamation mark there um, for us to end on that. And um, Tony, would you pray us out? Yes. Father, we do thank you so much that we have this good gospel to preach to this lost world. Lord, break our hearts. Lord, help us to see them like you do. You looked at the multitudes and was moved with compassion toward them. You saw them as weary and bruised like sheep without a shepherd. Oh, God, give us your heart, Lord, so we can take this good gospel to this culture that's around us. Help us, Lord. Give us eyes to see them the way you do. Give us eyes to see that the fields are white for harvest. Oh, God, we need you to show us that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, hey, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Thanks so much to Tony for his you know, preaching his guts out and then also for the panel afterwards. And thanks to everybody who submitted those questions and hopefully it kind of brought some of the concepts uh, down to kind of a ground level. Um, how do we preach this uh, type of situation? And in case you're wondering, yes, I did eventually interview Tony and there'll be a link in the show notes to that conversation. And it was actually a really, really great conversation. And Brenda, I'm coming for you next. So Brenda is going to be interviewed soon. And I can't wait for you to listen to that yet to be recorded, but guaranteed to be solid episode. All right. I hope that this episode and all that we do at the Expositors Collective help you to grow in your personal study and public proclamation of God's word. 
This podcast is a part of CGN Media, a podcast network that points to Christ. We are supported by listeners like you. To help us create more great shows, visit cgnmedia.org support.